Coming up on This Week in Games, Russia's internet giant sets their eyes on global game distribution. Zynga sells its headquarters but isn't leaving. And two CEOs and a commissioner depart their companies. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this week we had a random assortment announcements. It was almost confusing as to how random this week was. All capped off with a giant shuffling of executives. So let's kick it off. Microsoft announces Game Pass for PC gamers. After a successful two-year run on console, Microsoft soft brings its famous game pass to pc pc gamers will enjoy unlimited access to a library of more than 100 games from publishers like bethesda deep silver devolver digital paradox interactive and sega also the famous day one internal microsoft studio releases will be intact in the pc version so games from a city and entertainment and in exile entertainment you'll get them day one on pc included in game pass for free Microsoft is targeting $10 a month. We'll see how this shakes out. And, you know, this is exciting because really with Project X Cloud, I mean, the future, Microsoft can effectively sell a combined version of Game Pass under a single roof. So both the console and PC together, maybe it's $15 instead of $10 a month. Tack on Project X Cloud for another $10 a month and bam, $25 a month. All the gaming you can do. You know, probably 200 games in the back library, day one exclusives for all the internal and Microsoft published games, and bam, you know, you take over the game industry. Microsoft is running a really smart ship. All the pieces are aligning for their successful next console generation, and with the partnership with Sony revealed last week on cloud services, come on, killing it, killing it. Um, Yeah. Great job, Microsoft. Next up, Russian Google state actor, Mel.ru. I call it, Mel.ru is like the Russian Google, but any giant Russian company is basically owned by the Kremlin, so that's where that combo comes from. Mel.ru enters the gaming space with My.Game. So the Kremlin's internet puppet is now entering international game distribution with My.Games. Mel.ru's gaming wing Games.mel.ru claims to have over 12 million monthly active users, grossed over $100 million in Q1, but I'll remind everyone that we can't trust financial data from Russia. I mean, come on. Um, The 13 studios, 10 regional offices, and over 1,500 employees will all be rolled into kind of a spinoff company, My.Games, and I'll start a pool for bets on when the U.S. sanctions will hit My.Games. Um... I'm betting six months. I don't know. (laughs) All right, next up. Google Play unveils two big changes. So first, developers have to assign a target audience age to make sure that they aren't accidentally allowing children to discover violent or inappropriate content. This kind of covers, you know, Google's ass to make sure kids are shown the correct ads and handle PII, uh, personal identifiable information, private identifiable information, however you want to say it, of minors correctly. So basically, it's up to the developer to say, hey, my target audience is minors. That way, ads getting shown to that target audience are appropriate. If they say they aren't, um, 
Well, I'll cover that now. If games target children, it must adhere to strict family policies. You can read about those elsewhere. If games aren't set to target children, it must not be appealing to children. None of the art or commercials for the game must be deemed appealing to children. So that's really weird, like super vague subjective policy like this. What the hell does appealing to children even mean? Is Fortnite appealing to children? It uses bright colors, smooth textures, you know, vivid facial expressions. Does that make it appealing to children? I don't know, Google. But uh, yeah, effectively, this policy is a catch-all. The developer has to say it targets children, adhere to all these strict policies. Google gets to send children targeted ads, which are kind of the most lucrative ads on the market and everything's hunky-dory now and then if the developer has inappropriate or violent content they're in trouble if the developer says they aren't targeting children google you know doesn't allow children to go there and google can serve them whatever ads they want and then if it finds out too many children are you know using said content google can deem it appealing to children pull it down and make it require to strict family policies makes sense I don't see a problem with this. Now, the second major unveiling was developers must disclose loot box odds. So I'm going to quote the policy here. Apps offering mechanisms to receive randomized virtual items from a purchase, i.e. loot boxes, must clearly disclose the odds of receiving those items in advance of purchase. Now, this is also super fucking vague. What the hell does clearly disclose mean? I don't know. Um, I guess you could probably bury it in a menu. And still not have it like off-put people from buying it. But it's definitely a step in the right direction. And more importantly, protects Google from kind of like taking a beating when loot boxes start entering the Senate and congressional space. And I, I think it's the right thing. Like it protects consumers. If you say you can get this super rare item from a gotcha machine and really the item is like sub 1%. It'd be good to know that, you know, I spent way too much money on puzzles and dragons. I know how it feels. So, yeah, I, I see nothing wrong with this. I actually, this is what I think they did in the Netherlands. And frankly, I would like everyone to have to enforce this one. This is a good one. Like, you know, if people are buying stuff, show them the odds. Hmm, no harm. All right, let's get some business news because that's where the majority of news came from this week. First up, this is the big one. Zynga sells its San Francisco headquarters for $600 million, then it leases back the building. Interesting. Interesting. So mobile game acquisition machine Zynga needs to refill its war chest and sells their headquarters to Beacon Capital Partners. Now that's, I think they're like a real estate PE firm. Um, so this is what they do. They just buy giant amounts of stuff, lease out the giant amounts of stuff, and then kind of rake in the capital. Zynga then turned around and signed a lease for a little over 12 years to keep a smaller subset of space that they currently occupy, and this deal is rumored to the tune of $10 million a year. The company gets $600 million for something that, you know, effectively cost them $230 million in 2012. That's a decent chunk of change. The negative to this is I heard a few years ago that they were offered $800 million, so that's a, it's a bit of a shaving off the top. They'll only take it for $600, but still very good. Now, the real story here is Zynga stock hit $6.35, a market cap approaching $6 billion. When I worked there between 2016 and 2018, the market cap went between like 2.8 and 3.5 billion. The only difference is kind of like a reduction of employees across the world and a spree of acquisitions. So what does this tell you? 
balance sheets don't matter. Spend all your money until you run out of money and then sell all of your non-core assets to keep spending all your money. And kind of that Zynga's playbook now. Zynga, to my knowledge, hasn't made a hit game in-house, I don't know, ever. Farmville was an acquisition. Zynga Poker was an acquisition. Their social casino lineup was an acquisition. And CEO Frank Jabot kind of knows Zynga can't develop in-house hits. So his only hope of growing is spinning cash for acquisitions. And now they're out of cash. So what do you do when you're out of cash? You sell major uh, assets for cash and then keep buying stuff. And what do you do when you're out of major assets? I don't know. Are you going to run numbers on like debt financing acquisitions? You know, leverage buyouts? What are you going to do, Zynga? So it's a very weird situation. Now, Zynga's very good at running live ops for games. Um, but damn, like you're out of money. You spent all your money. So you sold your headquarters. And you know that 600 million once taxes come in and you have to adjust for the lease and everything else like what that's like considering they just the last acquisition they did was for 300 million that 600 million effectively may get you like 2.5 acquisitions a big companies that is um that's not a lot it's a weird situation um i guess he's hoping he frank's hoping they make the right acquisition and then they start turning a profit. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the market cap, $6 billion. Stock is at a number I never th- thought it would ever hit. I, I thought they would be lucky to ever hit $5 again, six thirty-five. You know, it's, it's a weird situation because, like, the, the market's rewarding this type of behavior. But at the end of the day, Zynga is still the exact same company it was when it was $2.8 billion market cap. So... I, I don't know. I, I think they would have been better off doing share buybacks, to be honest. But, you know, I'm not in the I'm not in the C-suite. So, all right, next up. Riot is looking for some asymmetric growth in revenue and is launching a premium viewer for League of Legends tournament. So premium low viewer will run at $14.99 and will open a number of features. Kind of all the rest are kind of like whatever. To me, the most interesting feature is the ability to follow a single player during a game. So when we watch League of Legends games, there's it's five on five, ten players running around, and then they also show like views of the players in like the booth playing. Um, so if you play a specific position like jungle, and then you want to look at this famous like you know North American jungler, you kind of just have to watch him when he makes his plays, and you can't watch him like do his mundane tasks during the game. The premium low viewer will let you watch that, kind of step up your game, really watch how this one person does this one role perfectly during a high-stress tournament. Now, the real reason for you know creating this premium low viewer is because Twitch makes a ton of money off low, and American Europe collects all that viewership data and sells it back to advertisers or uses it to track kind of those users and other channels. Smart move, getting them off Twitch and getting them on this premium low viewer, um, albeit a little late, but smart move on Riot's part because these days data is kind of worth more than gold. And this kind of like makes merchandising a board game and premium esports viewers things that Riot can actually launch. But unfortunately, games that have been in development over five years are still unlaunchable. I'm sorry, Riot. It's, it's just funny to me. Like, uh, they still can't launch a game it's after all these years. Still can't launch another game. But you know, maybe when people start stop dry humping each other, farting on each other, and ball tapping each other, um, <laughs> and they get their culture in check, they'll be able to launch a few games. All right, 
Wrapping up business news, another giant blow for VRAR, and that's the VRAR company Leap Motion sells the Ultra Haptics for $30 million. Now, some of you guys are saying, holy shit, $30 million, that's a lot for a useless technology company like VRAR. Well, not really. So the company behind Northstar AR headset is being sold at a bargain. Why do I say that? Because Leap Motion raised money at a $300 million evaluation only a few years ago and was offered buyouts to the tune of 30 to $50 million in 2018, and now finally had to settle for $30 million in 2019. I mean, it's written on the wall, AR and VR companies are no longer doing well in the consumer market, if they ever were doing well. Fundraising is now an issue for AR and VR companies, and now acquisitions an issue. The only caveat to this is I see a lot of press about the, the new Oculus Quest selling out in retailers and doing much better than anticipated in retailers. That's interesting. Um, I haven't seen anything about the Valve Index sales. Probably not great. Um, I don't know. I still think VR and AR, it's just like, it's just not going to happen now. I don't, it, I'm sure it will happen one day. Not now. You know, it's just not there. All right, I promised some uh, executive shakeups. Here they are. First up, King CEO Ricardo Zacconi steps down. So after 16 years with King, Zacconi will move to the chairman position and reduce both his salary and cut of the profits. No mention on who the new CEO will be. Likely someone Activision's choosing. And uh, King kind of has a parent company, so why would they even need a CEO who's powerful, more or less a board? I don't know. Makes sense to me. <laughs> All right, next up, GameStop CEO and COO Rob Lloyd leaves the company. So after 23 years with GameStop, Lloyd will depart, and CFO James Bell will become both acting CEO and an EVP, which I find very w- weird that you would be an acting CEO and executive vice president. Then another position will be created. It will be a new executive vice president position and the new CMO, chief marketing officer, and that will be filled by Chris Homister. Oof, that's rough. GameStop will be studied in the future for terrible business leadership and losing the entire game industry in the span of five years. Shares are down 40% from like a year or two ago already. I'm already reading like reports of lots of people because uh, a lot of the announcements were released, I think, today, or and I think by today, I mean Friday, not Sunday, and uh, I think next Monday, they're also going to do a financial statement, and a lot of people are trying to grab up whatever shorts of GameStop they can, and it's, oh, it's ridiculous, like, this company. All right, finally, last shakeup, Overwatch League Commissioner Nate Nazar leaves Blizzard for Epic Games. So after joining the company in 2014, Nazar announces his departure over Twitter and ESPN confirms. Pete Valisdelica, president and CEO of Activision's Blizzard's eSport leagues, will take over in the interim. And to me, this is kind of a sign of confirmation that Overwatch, despite their ESPN deal, is not successful in the eSports realm kind of because the commissioner is leaving and all the reports of like overwatch teams losing tons of money so yeah i mean (laughs) overwatch it really was a flash in the pan because like it blew up and then PUBG just came and shat on it and then fortnite you know shat on it some more (laughs) and then apex legend came and said hey anything that's still left in there and no we're gonna shit on you as well i don't know i don't know where they go from here um 
but yeah, losing the commissioner in the entire esports league, that's pretty rough. And last bit of news, some bad news to wrap it up, because that's how we roll. Boss Studios closes MMO Worlds Adrift because it can't find a big enough audience. So one of Spatial OS's big, ambitious projects is shutting down in early access, and that's Worlds Adrift. Spatial OS being like major technology that allows you to offload like physics and calculations to the cloud and still run the game. So if you have like a mediocre PC, it can run some beastly game um, because it's not doing all the stuff with the hardware and the processor locally. Um, however, after the MMO shutdown, its development studio, Boss Studio, says it has three other projects in development right now, and uh, it's fine. So that's good. All right, I'm Eric McConnell. That's it for this week in games. Come back next week, and I'll wrap up the game industry for you again. I'll see you guys later. Bye.